Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. My days are led, like some of your days, if, you're, if, if you have serious problems, uh, with a list of to-do items. I'm sure there are some of you that can relate. On any given day, this is what, you know, one of my lists on a Monday or a Friday or whatever it might look like, you know, this is some of the things it may say. This is really just kind of through the week scattered. Work on a sermon. That's something that I have to do a lot. Run three miles. Uh, pay the electric bill, send announcements to my online class. I have a, a, a sociology job as well where I teach at a college. Meet so-and-so for lunch. That's, that's one of my favorites through the week. Uh, call so-and-so. Uh, take Cora to skate. Uh, pick Callie up from school. Meet with the tech guys and the band guys. Shampoo the upstairs carpet. Very important. All those kinds of things are on my list that I could do. I document literally everything. I'm one of those people with those kinds of problems. Most of the time, though, like most of you, even if you don't do that, I lead a very busy life. Most of the time, I find myself barely slowing down for anything, and that's really what I want to talk about today. Our first core value at Believer's Church is formation or spiritual formation. And this is to become students of Jesus. We do this through practicing the spiritual disciplines that Jesus showed us and modeled. Every spring and fall, we spend four to ten weeks specifically, even though it doesn't feel like a spring day, we spend four to ten weeks focusing on a spiritual discipline, like fasting, giving, serving, scripture reading, whatever it might be, we take one, spend a little bit of time with it, and the goal is to take this spiritual practice and to deeply implement this spiritual practice into our lives. This practice is not about information. It's not just about learning, it's about application. It's about learning how to do things the way that Jesus did things so that we can become closer followers of Jesus ourselves. So last week I had made the comment when we started this whole thing with prayer that our vision will come to fruition and we will see our church be what it's supposed to be whenever we learn to pray passionately. Not God, thank you for this day. Not that these prayers are not important, but thank you for this day. Thank you for my kids. Uh, please help me to continue to remain healthy. You know, some of these things, the, the things that we pray every day on a regular basis, but I'm talking about whenever we really become people who, pa- who passionately pray. So it doesn't matter how good things look around here, how impressive we can possibly be in some ways. Things start to change whenever we pray as passionate people. So that if that so if that is not something that is part of your everyday life, it's something that I want to encourage 
through what we're going to be talking about. So this spring, we are focusing on prayer. We're in week two of six. And last week, what we talked about was this special kind of prayer, a simple way to pray, or the right way to pray, I should say, your will be done. We looked at the Garden of Gethsemane, and we said in everything that we pray, the most important thing we need to understand, not God, get me out of this mess, even sometimes as important as the next step is, God, uh, let it go my way, but your will be done in everything that we do. So today what I'm going to talk about is this, because I think this is really complicated for, uh, for people, and it's this, prayer should be simple. It should be simple. It shouldn't be something, when you look at someone who's a seasoned pastor for 25 years, or a person that's been an elder, or a deacon in a church, or a church leader, or a church planter, or anything like that, and they really know how to pray good, but I feel like my prayers are just not quite there. I get really frustrated with prayer, some of the things that we talked about last week with distraction and all those kinds of things. So how is it that we actually pray and see that prayer is a very simple thing in our lives? I'm going to go to the Gospel of Luke, if you'd like to turn there. Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 38 through 42. If you want to follow on the screen, I welcome you to do that. But there is going to be a lot of learning for some of you in here today, because you're running around, you're a task-oriented person, you believe you're getting all these things done, and you're saying to yourself, like one of the characters that we're going to examine this morning, well, I really think I, God must be impressed with me. I've been a Christian for this amount of years. I've seen this many people come to know Jesus as a result of my friendship or my leadership. There are all these wonderful things that are going on. So I must be a pretty impressive person. I'm going to challenge that today. And I'm going to challenge this American narcotic of busyness that is a serious issue in the lives of many of us that are in this room right now. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 38 through 42. This is a wonderful story, a story that some of you are probably familiar with that you might look at a little bit differently as a result of today. Okay, so Jesus is visiting Martha and Mary. That's what's going on here. We're going to pick up in verse 38. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for the meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare this table all by myself? Tell her to help me. It was like, this is a lot of work. She's just here kind of chilling out, talking to you while I'm doing all the work. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Only one thing. Not, all the, not your to-do list, Matt. Not all of these things that you think you need to take care of. Only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part, and it won't be taken from her. So let's capture a visual of this story 
for the purpose of context. Jesus and his disciples are probably exhausted. He's teaching. He's going from village to village. Jesus doesn't always have a plan mapped out with exactly where he's going. He's being led by the Spirit. He's being led by the Father through prayer. And he enters into Martha's home. She invites him in. This kind of hospitality, what Martha is doing is very good. And it's very important. Some of you who have been through uh, some of the women's studies on ancient Jewish culture, or if you were here last fall for our practice on hospitality, you understand the importance of inviting the stranger in and preparing this meal and making sure everything's taken care of. So in a sense, what she's doing is very important and very, very good. So Martha's got that part right. So anybody have this kind of personality in here? The kind of personality I'm talking about is probably quite the perfectionist, okay? Everything has to be perfect. Jesus is coming over. The rabbi is coming over. Everything needs to look perfect. I have this personality down to a T. There are people, and this is not a joke. I don't know that there are people in this church, but there have been people at my previous church that would not even invite me over to their home. So they were like, Matt's going to judge me. He's so type A. He's so high strung. He's so, I'm not even going to let him see what my house looks like. I see Martha being this way. Like everything's got to be perfect. If we have the best china, we're going to bring it out today for Jesus because this is really, really important. So she's probably a little bit high strung. She could be just a little bit of a people pleaser. And she probably likes to consider herself to be consistent and to be prompt and to make sure everything is taken care of and everything is perfect. <clears throat> Martha might be the person that says, what would the neighbors say? What would the neighbors think about this if they saw things looking this way? What would Jesus say if Jesus came in and the environment wasn't absolutely perfect. So please hear this because this is some of you that are in here today. While she's busy being busy, it's also likely that sometimes she's missing the moment. So while she's busy making sure everything's perfect, the meal has got to be perfect. We've got to make sure everything is clean. We've got to make sure everything is presentable. It's not just Jesus. It's also some, if not all, of the disciples. It's going to be a pretty crowded house. It's got to be perfect. But is it possible in your rush to do and do and do and be productive and be efficient and do all of these things that sometimes you're missing the moment. Now, Mary, on the other hand, she doesn't miss the moment. For Mary, it's not about the destination. Instead, it's about the journey. That's what we would say about it in the 21st century. It's not about getting there. It's about sitting down and having this conversation and getting to know this Jesus. So what I want us to do with the time that we have left is note two simple observations about this passage and why they are important. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer you a directive 
for simple prayer. Because that's what we're talking about today. There was a guy that went to my previous church. He was on the board of directors, a guy named John White. He would not mind me saying this if, if, if he heard this today. And whenever he prayed, he wasn't using all the fancy words. He wasn't worried about the structure or the order or the other people. Because I know for some of you, it's a real struggle to pray in front of other people. I mean, you could ask Beth about this. It was just like the sweetest, most gentle, most simple prayer. And it always moved the people in the room. I think there are some people, they just love to hear themselves pray. Lord, thou, we, they, they talk like the King James Version. All right, and whenever they pray, you're just like, okay, is this ever going to end? They just love the way they sound. But John approached prayer. Lord, I need you. We're messed up. We really need you to do something in our lives. Help us, Lord. Just these, these little phrases and these little words. Don't, it's about talking to God. <clears throat> and it's something that's supposed to be very, very simple. So the first thing that I want you to recognize this morning, because this is really important, is that Martha's busyness, listen, those of you who are busy all the time, Martha's busyness costs her a blessing. Thank you. And in your lives, sometimes your task, 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 do, 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 is causing you to miss a blessing. Verse 40, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for the meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. You know, this is what she's doing. Like, you need to step in. Listen, if you are the Messiah, or if you're just a disciplined person, will you tell her to help me? This is kind of a lot of work. And she completely misses it. And there are people that I work with all the time. People that I serve with. We've got to get this done. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to do this. It's got to look this way. It's got to be this way. And they completely miss the blessing of what's going on all around them. So let's notice three real quick characteristics. And this is some of us, some of the issues that Martha has. First, preoccupation. All right, she has this preoccupation with preparing the meal. So she's not paying attention to what Mary is doing that Jesus is honoring. She's preoccupied with other things. Some of you are you're preoccupied with your job. You're preoccupied with your, your hobbies. You're preoccupied with this to-do list, all these things. And if you're like me, this is what I do sometimes. This is a pastoral confession. It is very important for me to spend every day in the Word with Jesus. But this is what I'll do sometimes. I'll get this out, and then I'll look at my phone. Well, if I can just get these three things done before I go to God, I'll be able to relax a little bit more in my quiet time. Then my phone starts blowing up because I've not put it down. I see an email that I have to check. And all of a sudden, it's 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and I'm absolutely drained because I've not been at the feet of Jesus. 
I'm speaking to every leader that is in this church right now. I care nothing about your production if you're not spending time at the feet of Jesus. We, what do we have otherwise? Uh, we have nothing. So there's preoccupation. There's also comparison. And this is a killer. This is destroying some of you. You're comparing yourself to other parents. You're comparing yourself to other teachers. You can be like me sometimes, and you're comparing yourself to other churches and what they're doing. It's an absolute destroyer over the soul. And you want to know one of the worst places you get caught up in this? Social media. Social media. She is so pretty. I could never look like that. Look at the crowd at that church. Look at what that event looks like and how they put that together. You never see the, back, the backdrop where everybody hates one another and they're losing their minds and it took everything to put it together. But it's this comparison that feeds into us and destroys us. And then her frustration. Jesus, tell her to help me. It's almost like she's telling Jesus, why don't you just get up and help us too? There's frustration on her part. Most people put in tons of time trying to impress God and others while neglecting the disciplines that lead to real growth. You see, it does not matter how much you can do. It doesn't matter how impressive or fancy your work is. If you're a church leader, if you're someone who serves in the church, and you're not building these disciplines into your life on a regular basis, when something goes wrong, or an opportunity looks better, you're gone. You're done. And this is what this ultimately creates within us. It leads to a false exterior and an empty interior. So what people think that they see in you, uh, Matt is just such a friendly person, and maybe you don't feel that way, but Matt is such a friendly person. He seems like he's really, really got it together. It seems like things are good in his life. It seems like he's got a very healthy family, but with these people, it's false. And inside, when it comes to spiritual resilience, when it comes to really trying to move forward in a relationship with Jesus, there's nothing there. They will cut you down. They will gossip about you. They will sell you out in a moment if they're not being built up within. Yet people can show you all of the work that they've produced and all of these things that they've done. This is the Martha mentality. And let me just say, I believe Martha was coming from a very, very good place in this situation. So please understand that. But this is a lot of us that are in here today. So here's the problem that I think that we can identify with Martha. And again, this is a lot of us that are in here. She's really excited about impressing Jesus. This is something that's important to her. She wants to leave the best possible impression. Yet her busyness to do so causes her to miss the heart of the relationship. 
And I know people like this. I know pastors like this. I know people who live their entire lives in this mode of do, 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 produce, 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 busy, busy, busy. And their busyness causes them to miss the heart of the relationship. Could this be you? Could this be you just right now? It's, it's not always been you, but maybe you're in a season right now where you just feel there's no balance. You just feel completely covered up, overwhelmed with the tasks and the work that you have that you don't even stop. And you know what? You know the way we do this in ministry? We go forward with decisions. We go forward with the things that we do that we believe God would like, and we never take the time to stop and listen to what God actually wants us to do. So this is often our approach in our prayer lives. And here's the thing about God. God doesn't need you to be impressive. And that really brings me a lot of comfort. God does not need you to be impressive. God doesn't believe that busyness leads to spiritual depth or spiritual piety. Because it doesn't. How about this? God just wants your attention. He just wants your attention. He wants you to put the phone down. He wants you to turn off the fourth episode and you just started the series. He wants you to put the laptop away. He wants you to get away from the people that you're, the meeting that you're in, everything that you think you need to do. And he just wants you at his feet. He just, sometimes you don't even have to say anything. Sometimes just the presence just taking yourself away from everything. This is what builds a follower of Jesus. This is what builds a leader. This is what builds a servant's heart. So in contrast to what we see with Martha, let's look at Mary here. Notice that on the other hand, Mary's desire to be present fuels a spiritual passion. It's a contrast of what we see with Martha. Her desire to be present fuels a spiritual passion. This spiritual passion must be the catalyst for a healthy prayer life. There's no other way. So, so I have this feeling inside, and let me share it with you. I don't care if there's a you know, 250 people in here, if there's 10 people in here, I don't think about things that way. I did it one time, but I don't now. I believe there is a movement that we are on the cusp of. I believe that we are very, very, very close. And I'm going to tell you something, and I love you, Tyler. It's not going to be produced through worship. It's not going to be produced through social media. It's not going to be produced through my preaching. It's going to be produced through people who have a passion to pray.
and I'm trying to understand. This is what I'm trying to understand. Why, even though you're getting a text message, many of you, about early morning prayer here, or prayer in homes that we're doing through this Lent season, some of you are not present. I don't control your work schedule, your kids. I know there are things in life, life that, that come up. But I'm really trying to understand that. Because we can walk away from this today. That was a good service. Can't wait to be back next week. But until we are fueled by passion to be at the feet of Jesus, we're just another cookie-cutter contemporary church, and that's as far as, that's the ceiling. And we choose if we want to cap that. It's a decision that we have to make. <clears throat> so Mary's in a good place. It's my hope that our church will move forward with a healthy spiritual presence. Not trying to get it all right. Not trying to be real impressive. But instead, desiring to spend time at the feet of Jesus. Now, this is comical to me. All right, so I'm going to share this. All right, this is verse 41 and 42. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. Can you imagine her ego? Can you imagine in that moment, but, 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 but I'm the one cooking all the food. But I'm the one doing all the work. I'm the one that's sweating. I'm the one, if it wasn't for me, this church wouldn't even, this church wouldn't even be able to go forward. You see all these good things happening at the church? Thank goodness they have me. This is the mentality. Busy, 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 busy. I wish we could see ourselves sometimes. One thing is necessary, Jesus says. One thing. Mary has chosen the better part. I just hear Martha saying, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't go there. You didn't say that. Come on. It won't be taken away from her. Now, I love how Eugene Peterson says this in the translation, the message. This is how he said it. The master said, Martha, dear Martha. Makes me think of the Beatles song, uh, Martha, my dear, Paul McCartney. Might be lost on some of you. Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. Again, one thing only is essential. And Mary has chosen it. What is this one thing? Keep it simple. Spend time at the feet of Jesus. Spend time at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes I think about the desire of church leadership teams to strategize and to build the perfect church. Uh, they want to compile all the right elements and provide the most desirable experience possible for new people. But they're not spending any time at the feet of Jesus. There's no real time. And if it does not begin in that place, church, I hope you're hearing me today. I hope these words 
are burning within you because it does not matter how many people are in here. We are as far as we are ever going to go if we're not praying. And Thursday night, there's just something. I can't speak of the situation at Amy's house. I can just think of Elizabeth because that's where we were. There is something about praying corporately together with brothers and sisters in Christ that changes things. And if you have a kid 11, 12 years old, old enough, you know, that, that, that are not wanting to just run around wild everywhere, if you have the opportunity, if you're off that night, if you have, anyway, if you have to cancel something, cancel it. This is the most important thing we do. And it has nothing to do with Sunday morning. Praying together. I think we're doing it again next Thursday. There are a variety of different kinds of cultures within a church, all right? And I believe that you can narrow these cultures down to two. And I'm not talking about liturgical versus more spontaneous or traditional versus contemporary or anything like that. You got two kinds of churches, culture of Martha and a culture of Mary. You got a culture of Martha and you've got a culture of Mary. And this is what I've learned with just a little bit of age and just a little bit of experience. A culture of Martha gets a lot done. I'm talking about the wheels are all turning right. Very, very efficient. A culture of Martha can be very impressive. A culture of Martha always seems prepared regardless of what happened. But a culture of Mary hears from God. A culture of Mary draws in the weakest of the weak. A culture of Mary helps broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. Our mission statement. A culture of Mary cultivates and plants on the good ground that we're talking about this year. So here is the most important lesson of the day and what you really, really need to understand. How is it if we're talking about a directive for prayer that we develop what I'm going to call a Mary mindset? How is it that we develop this Mary mindset within our lives. The first thing is this, pray with simplicity for his will to be done. Going back to last week, all right, you don't have to make this complicated. You're looking at the possibility of going into a new relationship. You've applied for a job that you really, really hope you get. You're trying to choose the right church. You're trying to choose the right way to invest or spend your money. All life decisions that you have. Pray, this is not complicated. You pray for his will to be done in the most simple way in every area of your life. That has to direct everything. Number two, and we don't do this, take the time. To get to know him. If you did, some of you would be a lot more gentle. 
If you did, some of you would be a lot more patient. If you did, some of you would be a lot more giving. If you did, some of you would be a lot more humble. All amazing characteristics that Mary receives at the feet of Jesus. Did you know this Mary that we identified as Mary of Bethany that is at the feet of Jesus? In the Middle Ages, they're eventually going to identify her as Mary Magdalene, from sinner to preacher, from being at the feet of Jesus over and over and over again. Mary, in her life, is going to start following Jesus, and this relationship is going to grow. Number three, be more interested in being with him. And man, I'm talking to so many people. Be more interested in being with him than what you can do for him. How many people have you heard? I've taught Sunday school for 47 and a half years. I've been at this church since it started. I did this and I did that when the dinosaurs were walking the earth. You guys have heard these things, and it's like a, it's like a point of pride for people. And it's like, in your life, are you really praying for his will to be done? Are you really learning from experiencing Jesus intimately up close? These characteristics of who he is and what he does. So while Martha was busy trying to do for Jesus, Mary was trying to get to know Jesus. Make the argument, it's really, really hard to do for Jesus in the right way if you're not regularly getting to know him. I'll tell you, I work around these person, and I'm in recovery for a lot of this. I recognize my unhealthy characteristics. I'm able to slow down. I'll put in 10 hours like it's nothing. And I'm like, I've got to get with my family. I've got to get away from this. I have got to, I've got these worship drives that I take now that were never a part of my life before. I've got to completely get away and get with God because I'm going to, I have the, the ability to get bad advice. I have the ability to make a mistake. I have the ability to lash out. I have the ability to work myself to death on a sermon without consulting God about the sermon before I started. I'd like to tell you that this is just an isolated problem, but it's not. We carry on our backs everything that we can do and we spend very, very little time with God. Why do you think burnouts are a real thing? Why do you think, I can't even remember the statistic of how many pastors are leaving the ministry every single month. Is the stress a real thing? It is. Is the pressure a real thing? It is. But when we're not spending time at the feet of Jesus, we have no 
no hope of a future whatsoever. Whatsoever. Uh, two incredible quotes, and these are both from your reading list uh, that I want to share with you before we leave. The first is by Corey Russell. He wrote this book, Teach Us to Pray. It's on the reading list if you want to get it online. And um, it actually was an inspiration for a lot of this sermon. But this is what he says. I love this. The devil will let you do a lot. Notice he didn't say God's going to let you do a lot. The devil will do you a lot, let you do a lot. The devil will let me do a lot of church work. The devil will let you do a lot. This is your busyness. But if you want to put hell on notice, I love that expression. If you want to put hell on notice, take your seat at Jesus' feet and don't let any amount of money, platform, opportunity, betrayal, hardship, or tribulation talk you out of that. If you really want to put hell on notice, take all of these tasks, all these responsibilities, and you say, Jesus, lead my day. Lead my marriage. Lead the responsibilities that I have in my life. Not, I'm going to wing it with a two-minute devotion in the morning and then just get back on to everything else. Invite him into your lunch break. Invite him into your car whenever you're driving down the road. Invite him into your evening before you're going to bed. His presence everywhere. Now, this one's from Paul Miller. This is A Praying Life. This was my, my favorite book on the, on the reading list. But this is what he says. Praying is asking God to get dirty in your life. Yes, the eternal God scrubs floors. For sure we know he washes feet. So take Jesus at his word. Ask him. Tell him what you want. Get dirty. Write out your prayer requests. Don't mindly, and this is where I got this expression, don't mindlessly drift through life on the American narcotic of busyness. Hear this. If you try to seize the day, the day will eventually break you. And I am evidence of this. 2019, and it's coming for some of you, or you've already experienced it. If you try to seize the day, Eventually, the day will break you. Instead, seize the corner of his garment and don't let go until he blesses you. He will reshape your day. No, I tried to pray about that and he never answered. I'm just really distracted right now. I'm really struggling. It's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be simple. We're the ones that make it complicated. We're the ones that neglect it. We're the ones that make it difficult. So my prayer for you guys today, as we close, and you think about the life of your family, and you think about your job, and you think about the friendships and the relationships, some of which are in a good place right now, and some of which may be very damaged and broken. We've all been, we've all been there. 
But as far as our church moving forward, unity, power of the Spirit, forgiving others, seeing people come to know Jesus, if it doesn't start at his feet, it doesn't start at all. Would you bow your heads? What I'm going to ask you guys uh, to do today as we close. Maybe you were at his feet this morning. And if you were, that's wonderful. But for some of you, this is not a regular practice. This is not something that you cling to. You find yourself, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. It's going to drive me crazy if I've not taken care of this. It's going to drive me crazy if I don't have an answer for that. I want to challenge you to do something today. If it's coming to this altar, if it's kneeling down at your seat, whatever. Whatever it may be, this is the beauty of the, of the Spirit in this moment. All He wants is your attention. Come dirty. Come broken. Come filthy. Some of you, you're carrying so much weight, so much baggage. We can't move forward until we've released that. And I'm going to tell you something. I would have given anything to be a fly on that wall and hear that conversation between Mary and Jesus. I would give anything to know the wisdom that he was speaking into her life. My belief is even though you may not hear an audible voice, that he will speak the same to you today and say, child, it is okay. Let's start over. Let's make it right. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.